All right, people, and welcome back to another episode of After the Night podcast, uh, where I talk about all things football. So this is episode six, and um, yeah, so um, thank you for all the support that you've been giving me on the last episodes. The last episode got really good, um, really good support, and quite a lot of people were sharing it, which is really good. And what I wanted for that episode as well, because uh, it was quite a serious topic that I had to talk about. So um, yeah, I'm really um happy with the support on that episode so thank you for that um this episode uh is i'm going to do a, a bit of what i did the, the other week where i round up the games um people seem to like that and like to talk about my take on the different games and stuff like that so yeah people seem to like that so i'm going to have that and then the second part of my segment is going to be about um who i think are the most underrated players in the premier league this season so far so it's not been that long in in the league so far but i'm gonna just highlight who some players who i think who i think have been very who have done very well but don't really get talked enough about in my opinion or um need to get talked about more uh, but let's kick it off straight away with the roundup of the game so i'm gonna do it as i did last last game uh, last week sorry i'm not gonna go through every single game in depth I'm going to pick out some of the, the biggest things that have happened this week and then I'm going to talk about them. So um, first, I want to, first thing I want to talk about actually is Everton against Burnley, which was 1-1. Uh, early goal from Robert Brady uh, gave Burnley the lead and then Dominic Calvert-Lewin continued his uh, good goal scoring this season on the, four, on the stroke of half time to make it 1-1 and that's how the game ended. I just want to talk about Everton for a second actually and... They were getting a lot of hype at the start of the season. Had Carlo Ancelotti brought in a lot of decent players. Alan from Napoli, uh, James Rodriguez brought in very good players. They already had very good structure already with Dinia, uh, Richarlison. Um, so, so they had good players already. But um, yeah, they, they got a lot of hype at the start of the season. A lot of people I saw, um, what like they were thinking, what are they going to do in this league? Are they going to... Are they going to push for Champions League? Stuff like that. But they've really, really fallen off in recent weeks. And they've not been very good at all. And this was another um, another result that, that surprised me, to be honest, for Everton. Because the teams, when I look at the table, the teams that have been talked about a lot over the course of this season, Leicester, uh, Everton, Wolves, been talked about quite a bit, Villa, Villa, Villa are now 12th. Yes, they've got two games in hand on most teams, but still, they're still 12th in the league. Wolves are 10th. Everton are 9th. And you, you, you don't really hear much about Southampton and West Ham, who are above these teams. Bearing in mind Leicester, they've done very well. But without that win against Sheffield United with the last-minute goal, they wouldn't be near the top four. So, um, yeah, Everton, again, there's... Poor performance, in my opinion, anyway. I, I'd, if I was an Everton fan, I'd be quite disappointed with a draw against Burnley. It, it was away, and Burnley's always a, a hard place to go. But if you look at um, some of the results that they've had in recent weeks, lost to Leeds at home. Um, let me just... Oh, my thing's going all over the place. Uh, yeah, lost to Leeds at home. Great past Fulham. Um Lost against United, which I I can't, I guess it can't be disgraced, but still, they still haven't played very well, and not as well as they did at the start of the season. And um, yeah, I don't know, I don't really know what's going on. I don't, um, players, maybe it was just a purple patch and they haven't carried on their form. I know James Rodriguez 
hasn't been doing as well and he's getting a bit lost in games whereas at the start of the season he was taking control of games and he'd just pop up with anything even if he was playing poorly but yeah he's not really doing that anymore which is um I don't know I don't know I don't know um what they need to do or what Ancelotti needs to tinker around with his team but something needs to change at Everton I think otherwise they can see themselves dropping uh, quite a few points um over the Christmas period quite quickly Next game I'm going to talk about. I'm not really. Gonna, I don't really like to talk about Man City against Fulham because uh, it's just. I don't really know. It's top versus bottom, really, and it was an easy win for Man City. It's pretty boring game in my opinion, and yeah, I'm not really going to talk about that one too much. Uh, I'm going to talk about West Ham versus Man United, um, not just because I'm a West Ham fan, but again, more controversy as per I told you this last week. Um, there, if if I talk about can each controversy every week, it will get boring. Um, but I just wanted to highlight how well West Ham played in the first half. I think we absolutely dominated the game, completely pressed Man United back into their own half. They hardly had any chances. All West Ham needed to do was finish two or three chances, and they would have been three nil up into going into the second half, and the game might have been dead. But um, yeah, they only scored one. Um, just before half time wasn't enough at all. Came out second half, had more chances in in the first ten ten odd minutes, but again couldn't put them away, and that was that was our downfall. To be honest, that's the worst I've ever seen Man United play um, this season. They they were awful, and that's the best I've seen West Ham play. And the fact that we couldn't put them away was um, a bit disappointing. Uh, they brought on Rashford and Bruno at half time. Bruno completely controlled the game after that. I uh, was bringing the ball forward. Picking the, picking the passes that that they weren't seeing before with Donny van der Beek and um, yeah Man United their their first goal against Pogba I'm not going to even talk about the controversy because I don't know what the linesman is even doing he's looking at the offside before he's even looked at the ball and I just don't really understand it it's, the ball's going over the top of his head and he's looking for offside I thought your first job was to be looking if the ball's going out but. Uh, we got the decisions against Villa the week before, so I guess you can't complain. Um, but Pogba took his goal very well. Uh, Rashford uh, played very well when he came on. And I've said what I think about Mason Greenwood. He's a very good talent, and he's gonna um, he's gonna go on to do good things. Um, but yeah, that was three uh, one. The Chelsea game. I'm, I'm impressed by Leeds. Uh, they they've started the season. If you look at the their position on the table, you you. You could be deceived, I think, and think that they haven't really started that well. But um, Marcelo Bielsa's pressing um, tactics are really working in the Prem, I think. I just don't think they have got the defence to be able to do it. Uh, their attack, I really like Rafinha. But I think he, he, he's played the past couple of games and he's been very good. He's very lively, picks up the ball and likes to dribble at players, take them on. But the the thing with Leeds, I think, is... They're either, when you play them, you're either going to win 4-0 or you're going to lose 4-0. And it's all it's going to be an end-to-end game, whoever they play. And they can just go at anyone, which I really like the way that they approach games. But on this occasion, they were playing a Chelsea team who have a brilliant attack. So they left themselves a bit open, uh, even when they scored early. Um, going on to Sunday's games, West Brom, the main talking point about that game was the Pereira red card. I think I think I'm not going to take anything away from Crystal Palace. Um, I I thought it was a decent game in the first half, but it wasn't anything special. Second half they just dominated because they had ten men. Um, Zaha looked very good, took his goal very well, but um, 
yeah, the red card, I saw a lot of um, indecisiveness about it over Twitter. Some people think that it's definitely a red card. Some people think it's a very soft red card. Um, I just feel like Pereira, I th- I th- it's a tough one. I feel like it's, it's a soft red card. But Pereira is very silly in that situation. He should not be putting his legs up near anyone's body after that. There's no need for it. He doesn't need to do it. He doesn't even need to put himself in the situation to even get a red card in the first place, if you get what I'm saying. Um, If he doesn't do it, nothing comes of it at all. But the fact that he's put his legs near the player, I forgot who it was. I think it was Van Anholt. But the fact that he put his legs near him just makes the referee have to think about it. And obviously the referee is going to see in the slow motion that he's decided to put his legs up into someone's body. And it was a no-brainer for the referee in the end. Um, Yeah, that was a a bit of a drab game. West Bromar in a bit of a trouble now, um, losing Pereira. Um, Very creative player for them. So they're going to be in a bit of trouble, I reckon. But um, next game is Leicester versus Sheffield United. Again, it wasn't a very good week of foot, weekend of football. I could say that a few boring games in there. Um, this being one of them, didn't Leicester again didn't really. I don't. They're a bit like Man United this season. They're not really playing well, but they're getting the results. And I, I guess that's as I said before with West Ham. That's what you, that's that's what you need to do as a, to to be a winning team. I guess. But uh, Vardy clinical. I think he had one shot all game, and that was his goal. When you can't really give Vardy a chance like that, and what, Sheffield United were pressing and pressing, and Vardy, who used to be in the Sheffield Wednesday uh, youth teams, hates Sheffield United and he loves scoring against them. And you can see he did as he completely clattered the the the, the corner flag. So it was a good. He took his finish well, but again, Leicester didn't really look good. But they've gotten Didi back now. Um, I think he came on halfway through the game. Let me just have a look. Um, because I remember I looked at I looked at the game and I didn't see Ndidi and then I saw Ndidi out of nowhere and I thought where the hell did he come from? But yeah, he came off the bench, so um, that's a big plus for them because they've really missed him and he's been a pivotal part of their team. Um, but they got the win against Sheffield United, who again are in big trouble. Uh, I, I hope for their sake that they start picking up some points soon because at the moment it's not coming from anywhere and they're again they're going to be in big trouble soon they're playing Southampton next away then Man United at home two very tough games Brighton away could be a result for them Everton at home again could be a result bearing Everton's form but yes really not looking good for Sheffield United at the moment can't seem to even buy a point at the moment which is not good uh then going on to the North London derby um that Spurs attack is scary very scary Son and Kane have just got this, I don't know, they've just on the same wavelength at the moment and they cannot stop. Arsenal are poor, very poor, rubbish at the moment. And I don't know what's going on with them. They've got all the players, they've got the talent. I just don't know what's happening. Nothing's clicking. Bellerin was awful. Their whole team was awful. Aubameyang didn't offer anything. Their biggest threat looked like Lacazette or Saka. And Lacazette, again, he just loses his mind in these in these derbies and he just kicks out and he got a yellow card Saka looked very bright I think they need to bring Maitland Niles in I don't know what's I don't know what's going on there but Mourinho again tactical genius uh, set his Spurs team up perfectly catch Arsenal on the counter he knows that their defence is not very good enough and that's exactly what they done Son took his goal beautifully planted the ball in the top corner um, there's not much more you can say about that game. For North London derby, it wasn't brilliant because of the way that Mourinho sets up his sides, but it's, he's got that winning mentality. And I've said this before, but um, I think Spurs are on to win a 
trophy this season because of the way that he sets up his teams and teams just can't break him down. And then with that pace and that clinical finishing that they've got on the counter, it's going to be tough to stop Spurs. Um, last game, um, before I do a little bit of a prediction for the game that hasn't started yet, which is Brighton versus Southampton. Uh, the last game is Liverpool versus Wolves. Uh, it's one of the best performances I've seen from Liverpool this season. They haven't been very... They haven't. Well, I, I say they haven't been very good, but they're near, near enough top of the league. But for their standards, they haven't been great. They've been dropping points, which is not like them. But um, yeah, this is one of the best performances I've seen them have. Wijnaldum was unbelievable. And um, yeah, they, they were just clicking in, the, in this game against Wolves. And Wolves... Early on they looked decent But um, Yeah Liverpool just put them away uh, Which they couldn't really do anything about I guess um, But going on to this game now It's Brighton versus Southampton uh, I'm recording this before the game So uh, I will do a little Like round up of that on the Friday's episode um, What do I think of this game? I think Saints win I think the Saints win uh, It's either going to be a Saints 2-1 win Or a 1-1 draw I reckon Brighton, I like Graham Potter and the way that he sets up his teams. However, they haven't started the season very well at all. But the thing is with Brighton, they've got they've got good players. I like I like quite a few of their players in their teams. Um, but against the Southampton team, that's kind of clicking at the moment. They only just well they done a West Ham against um, Man United. Before that, they drew against Wolves and they beat Newcastle and they beat Villa. So. They're on decent form apart from the Man United game, who which they were winning 2 0 anyway. Uh I think I'm gonna go for a two one win Southampton as my final prediction. I'm gonna see a Mopai goal for Brighton and then a Ward Prowse and a Che Adams goal who's been on um who's really picked up this season. And um yeah, I'm I'm it's good to see him pick up form because he was decent at Birmingham. And he was brought in for a decent fee as well. So it's good to see him um putting in some goals. But going on to the main part of the episode, which is the underrated players this season. So this one, it was a bit of a tough one and it was a decision that I made uh, out of nowhere, really. I, was, I wasn't I was struggling to find a, another topic for the episode, but I was just thinking in my head. I had a, cu- I had a couple and I just wanted to do this one, really, because I feel like we're at a stage in the season where you can kind of see how players have uh, have formed now and how they're playing and we're like 11 games in so we're nearly n- nearly a couple games away from a third through the season which is mental um but yeah calling someone underrated is quite hard to be honest as people they might like them more than others they might be biased that might come into it and it's hard to really categorize players into underrated rated and being overrated so it's like some people um, they might not agree with you thinking a player is underrated and you they think they might be fairly rated or they might be overrated. So, But these are just some of the players that I think that I don't feel as though get enough credit um, than they deserve and that some of their stats and stuff, some of their stat lines, this is quite a stat-heavy episode. Um, it might surprise you about how well they're actually doing. So kicking it off straight away, I'm going to go for Ezri Konsa from Aston Villa. So he's played nine games this season and Villa have had, as I said, they have a decent start to the season, especially for Villa as they were in a relegation battle last season. Um, and he's had, he's made a large impact on this this Villa, Villa team and how the world that they've actually been. Um, I really like the Villa like back line and goalkeeper. They've got Martinez in goal, Matty Cash, Mings, Konsa and then Target, who... 
they could improve on that target, but he's not been that bad at all. But I think if they improve their left back, they will have a really good, uh, solid back line. Um, but Ezri Conte, he's had four clean sheets and scored two goals this season. And he's really forming a good partnership with uh, Tyro Mings at the back. And he's only 23, as I said. So he's got plenty of time to improve. But he's really, but playing next to someone um, like Mings, who's had quite a lot of experiences in football, played for quite a few teams. Uh, I think this is a good team for concert to improve at um, and really kick on after if he decides to move and keeps up his form at the moment. But yeah, he took his both goals quite well um, this season. Uh, and you like to see your centre-back scoring goals, I guess. Um, but I see a lot of people talking about Mings and not about concert. And Mings has been in the... Um, England team and all sorts and I just don't see I don't see how that's fair really Conser's just been as good as Mings I think and he's he's good from set pieces he's strong on the ball uh, he can cross the ball well for a centre-back which is pretty mad and when the ball's coming out he's putting the ball back in it's very decent from him and I think that um, as the season goes on we'll see Conser definitely improve and if he keeps up his form he could get a good move this summer but I think he's definitely been un- underrated this season especially bearing in mind how good Villa are doing and his age and all sorts. Um, next player. Um, the next player is a big one for me. And there's quite a few of these types of players throughout this episode. And you guys will see that. Um, yeah, he's, this player is brilliant. So this player is Pierre-Emil Hoiberg. And for me, he's a massive contender for signing of the season. Came from um, Southampton to Spurs for, I think... I might be butchering this. I think it was like 18 million, uh, but I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. Um, but he's an absolute warrior in the heart of the Spurs midfield. And whenever I watch a Spurs game, it just doesn't seem like Hoiberg puts a foot wrong at all. He feels like he does every. It's, it's like a kind of like a Declan Rice for West Ham, where he just he just seems to do everything well and nothing wrong at all. Um, he can lose his head a little bit. But he's tenacious and that's what you need him to do in that midfield when you've got him playing next to someone like Sissoko or Undombele. You needed that bit of like aggression in your midfield to really, um, it kind of, it's a bit of a, it's infectious really. It, it, he, he puts it on other players as well and gets them to do it. Um, so I read a stat um, that Spurs got 75% of Spurs goals was started by a Hoiberg uh, interception or tackle, which to me is unbelievable. So 75% of their goals is stopped from him uh, stopping the attacking team and starting the attack again, which when you put that into perspective, yeah, he's been unbelievable. Uh, The amount of goals that Spurs have scored as well, and he's still got 75%. That's crazy. Um, as I said, next on Dembele and Sissoko, or really whoever you put him next to, he's really thrived this season. And he does everything in the team that no one not wants to. He's Mourinho's perfect player. Uh, he, he gets the ball down, plays it out. Whenever you need him to make a tackle, he's there. Um, when you need him to break up plays, there. He will interlink with the attack and the defence. He, he Against Arsenal, he was unbelievable. He man of the match for me, even with Kane and Son scoring and assisting each other. He was man of the match. He broke up everything, completely controlled the game. Yeah, he's he's he definitely massive contender for signing of the season for me. And he's Mourinho's perfect player. Um, but yeah, very good player, Pierre Emmerich. Uh, Pierre Emil Hoiberg. Um, going on to the next player now. This player for me it kind of surprised me a little bit. Uh, he's a player that 
doesn't really get talked about much and I'm not too sure why. Uh, it's Callum Wilson for Newcastle. So Wilson is joint seventh top scorer in the league with Bruno Fernandes and Zaha. And he's only one goal behind the likes of Kane and Bamford who have been spoken about massively this season. Kane I'm going to put to the side and Bruno I'm going to put to the side because Bruno's one is a midfielder and has got loads of assists. And again, Kane has just had unreal amount of assists this season. But Patrick Bamford and Zaha... Maybe not Zaha as much, but Bamford has been talked about massively this season. And the fact that Wilson's only one goal behind him but hasn't been talked about hardly at all for me is a bit is a bit crazy for me. Um, he was decent for Bournemouth past couple of seasons, comes straight into the Newcastle team. Um, he's done very well. For anyone that has to play up front with Joel Linton and has seven goals, I'll call them underrated because Joel Linton is must be an awful strike partner to play with. So he's done well. He's got St. Maximan. But again, if you look at Newcastle, it's like the the thing with um, a bit like Conte. They're, they're not brilliant, um, Villa at the back. Like, I, I said they like their, their back line, but their actual names that are there are not world beaters. They just work well as a, as a unison. But when you look at this Newcastle attack, it's pretty much awful. Um, Josh, they got Murphy... Um, Saint Maximan, who I don't mind, Joe Linton, and then um, Callum Wilson, who's the probably the star of the show. But he's been involved in seventy five percent of Newcastle's goals in the Prem this season, with seven goals and two assists. So Newcastle have only scored twelve goals, and Callum Wilson has been involved in nine of them, which is a great stat for him to show. Um, and I think he's again he's a massively underrated signing. I think without his goals, I could see Newcastle being in big big trouble, and. At the moment, they're they're sitting comfortable. I would say, uh, at least, with yeah, without his goals, they would. If you think about it, they would be on three goals, which is a scary sight. That's looking at Sheffield United numbers at the moment, but um, yeah, he's been a good signer for Newcastle. I really like um, Callum Wilson. I think he's been underrated for sure. Um, bearing in mind he's seventh top goal scorer, and all of the scorers above him have been talked about massively. So, yeah, I think he's decent. Going on to the next player, it's I don't I think it's Eves Eves Basuma, um for Brighton. I didn't know how to pronounce his first name. I think I've got it right though. Eves for Basuma. He's kind of like Hoiberg for me, and you'll probably tell by now what my favourite type of player is uh, in football based off some of these players in this list. Again, Basuma does all the work that no one really sees, and his stats. His actual stats in the Brighton team itself is unbelievable. Maybe not in the league, but just in Brighton's team is great. Um, he ranks third in goals, uh, third in goal shots and clearances, uh, first in tackles and fourth in aerial battles one, which is unbelievable. He does everything for the Brighton team and is really starting to adapt to the Premier League. When he first came to the Prem, I uh, remember his, he, he looked a bit lost. He couldn't really find his foothold in the game. But right now, he's really, really... um, He's showing his presence in the Brighton midfield. And when he's playing next to someone like Pascal Gross or he's playing in front of someone like Ben White, he definitely has that freedom, really. Well, when he's playing with Gross, he, he tends to be a bit more defensive. But when he's playing... In front of Ben White, he can definitely do what he needs to do in the attacking stage. And he's, we, I think he scored against Everton. It was a brilliant strike. Um, yeah, he's he's really pushed on this season. 
He has massively high statistics in tackles one. Um, being dribbled past is really, really low. And um, his past completion rates are really high per 90. And honestly, if, if Brighton are in a relegation battle um, this year and even go down, I can see him moving to a top, top team, I think. He's kind of like a... Um, uh, he's kind of like the... I don't really know how to explain it. Kind of like Callum Wilson, how when they went down, he went straight away. I think Bissouma could be that type of player because he's that good and he's adapted to the Prem that well. Um, I think loads of teams would be looking to try and get him in the side. Yeah, um, going on to the next player. Uh, we've got, got a couple more left. Oh, we've got quite a few more left. Um, the next player is Angelo Ogbonna. And as a West Ham fan, I can confidently say that Ogbonna has been one of our best players this season. 100%. I, I could have easily have put his um, part, one of his partners, Aaron Cresswell, in. I could have put uh, Fabian Barbuena in. Our defence has been unbelievable all season. But I'm going to highlight Ogbonna. Just as at 32, he's definitely ageing like fine wine. He's, he's, he, he's, he seems to be like a kind of a... Um, a reoccurring thing with these Italian defenders. They just get better as as they go on. And Obona's definitely doing that. In November alone, Obona had two clean sheets, 17 clearances, 13 aerial duels won, and was dribble passed zero times. No player dribble passed Obona in November, which for me is an unbelievable stat. And at 32, to not get dribble passed, I think that's massive. I think it really shows that um, Ogbonna is confident in the tackle. But he also has the pace to keep up with the youth. Um, yeah, he's just been unbelievable. He's been a rock, wins everything in the air. Uh, literally, it seems like every time the ball comes near him, he, he's completely locked the, the attacker out. He's He's won it already. I feel like... I have to put him in here because um, other fans, he's one of them where other fans don't really recognise how good he actually is. Um, and that might be another case for plenty of players that where the fans really rate him of that team, but other fans don't really see how good he is because they don't watch him every week. And Ogbonna is definitely that player for me, I'd say. I think I'd be inclined to put him in the same category as someone like Willy Bolly, Connor Cody, as one of the best defenders outside the top six, 100%. Um, one of the best centre-backs, I'd say. Going on to the next player, this one might be a surprise to a couple of people. Um, but I feel as though Connor Gallagher from West Brom has adapted to the Premier League style of play really quickly at such a young age. Um, he's only 20, and he's on loan from Chelsea, and he's playing in... A central midfield role for a team that's looking destined for relegation. Really, um, he scored twice in the league now in consecutive games. He's starting to show his quality quite a lot. Um, and in a better team, I can see him being the star of the show in some games, completely running the midfield. Um, yeah, uh, this season he started off not playing. But he's played seven games now and he has started the past couple and it's looking like Bilic is definitely liking him a lot more. I remember watching him at Swansea and at Cholton and he really sh uh, he really shined there. So I think the step up to the Premier League 
was a perf at this stage was a perfect time in his career. He ranks twelfth uh, in the Prem for tackles, uh, which bearing in mind is his first season, and some of the players above him are absolutely world class players that played Champions League football and all sorts. To be twelfth, very decent. He also averages three point six tackles per ninety, which is actually higher than Conte and Fabinho, which. That's unbelievable for me. <coughs> yeah, that's that's a great stat for him. And um, yeah, he's been very decent over the past couple. I've watched the past couple games of West Brom and he's just completely controlled it for me. And again, he's one of these players like a Basuma, like a Hoiberg, who just does everything for me. And uh, I don't know, I just really like it. And, some people might feel as though I'm putting too many of these players in this list. And they wait, there is one more to come. But I just think that they're they're so strong. And every team really needs them. Them type of players. Like we've got, uh, West Ham's got Suchek, all sorts. So, yeah, definitely, definitely decent player, Conor Gallagher. Going on to this next player now. It's one where I got uh, someone told me about because I asked a question in a group chat about um, I needed some ideas for some players. Um, I had quite a few players already, and uh, they gave me quite a lot of names. But this player, I didn't see how well he'd actually done before I looked at his stats, and the fact that his stats are this good is pretty unbelievable to me. Um, so this Carl Darlow, I didn't realize he's thirty years old. I thought he was a lot younger than that, but he's playing for Newcastle. He's played 10 games this season. And he's coming for injured um, Dubravka, who got uh, injured, I think, really early on in the season. Um, but at the moment in the Prem, he's got the second most saves in the whole Prem at 44. Uh, he's also had, he's only had two clean sheets, though. But some of the blame sometimes for the goalkeeper has to go down to the defence. And Newcastle's got a very poor defence. So for him to make 44 saves... Is unbelievable, but to only have two clean sheets, it might bring it down a little bit. But um, he has the most claims, high claims in the Prem and the most punches in the Prem at 13 and 10. So when you're looking at his stats and he's got the most of everything, I don't think I can not put him in an underrated team because he's he's doing... We're talking about Martinez for Aston Villa, Fabianski for West Ham, who could easily go in this list, I think. But the fact that Darlow's got all these high, high stats... You could argue that he's going to see most of the, the shots and stuff like that. But he has to save them. He has to stop them. Um, and I think that he, for someone that was meant to be a backup for Dubravka, he's done very, very well. And he, you never know. He might get a, If he wants more game time, teams might have a look at his stats this season, show how good he's done. Or he might completely push Dubravka out of the Newcastle team. So you never know. Um. This is the penultimate player on this list now. Uh, and if you follow me on Twitter, you might have seen a tweet from me a few weeks ago. Um, as I brought up an old tweet about this player, um, which is Daniel Podents. And um, for, this tweet was from early 2019. And I was saying Podents looks a real talent uh, when he was playing for Olympiacos. And I knew that his physical presence wouldn't be a problem going into the Premier League because of the way that he uses his body. He's a bit like Mohamed Salah, the way that he uses his body. Um, 
yeah, he started the season off really well. Um, or not really well, but decent with two goals and two assists in 10 games for Wolves. And I only expect that to go up really with Jimenez being injured so badly. He'll surely get more game time and he might even be used in a kind of 10 position. I'd like to see Wolves set up like this, but I don't know if um, if they will. But I'd like to see like, Adama on one side, um, Neto on the other, Podence playing through the middle and uh, Fabio Silva up front. That would be really nice um, interchangeable uh, plays there because I feel like Podence can play on any wing he can support as a second striker I feel like Adama and Neto can definitely switch wings so I feel like an inter- that interchangeable three with Fabio Silva up front could be brilliant um, but he, he's always looking to attack Podence he's, uh brings the ball forward at every opportunity he's really direct always going for goal always getting shots off which I really like in a player like him um, trying to drive the team forward really and even though Wolves haven't started off as great as we thought they would and now they've got an injury to Raul Jimenez I feel like Podence could be one of the un- most underrated players this season just because people won't realise how much he's doing for Wolves when they've got one of their biggest players out really so going on to the last player of this episode and rounding this episode up it's probably one of my favourite players on this list and I feel like Liverpool would be mad to let him go um this summer on a free. Um, so they need to get him to sign a contract ASAP by Genie Wijnaldum. And I just love how Wijnaldum, he's, he's not versatile in the amount of various positions that he can play, like Milner, he can play all sorts of positions. But in that midfield role, he can do a job in so many different ways, um, which I feel like is pivotal to this Liverpool team. Um, their midfield can be really interchangeable because they've got so many players. They've got Henderson, Fabinho, Wijnaldum, Thiago, all sorts. So the fact that he can he can kind of do a job as a register type player where he can sit behind two players and start pinging up balls like Thiago, uh, like Thiago, sorry. Um, he can then, if you want him to go box to box easily, that's probably his best position as a box to box. But then if you really want him to, he can do what he does for Netherlands and he pushes forward and plays in the kind of attacking midfielder role where he picks up more goals and more assists. He's only scored one goal this season. That was against Wolves this week, or last week. But the fact that he can play all of these different positions just in the midfield role, I think Liverpool needs to get him signed up ASAP. And he's been one of the most underrated players this season. Um, There's a stat where he's made um, 11 successive starts for club and country over the past five weeks. So he's had no rest. So his engine is unbelievable. He has a 91% pass completion rate. And at Liverpool... Their, their main goal is to retain possession and to keep the, the press high up the pitch, the Gagan press, like Klopp likes to play. So the, f- the fact that he's got 91% um, pass completion means that he's doing his job perfectly. He's doing it how his job should be done. And I feel like he's a pivotal part of this Liverpool team. And if they weren't to get him signed up and Thiago looking like he's, I don't know, a bit injury prone at the moment... I think it would be a big mistake for Liverpool because he, he'll go to a top-top team and at 30, kind of just reaching his prime, really. Um, but yeah, they're all the players that I've highlighted um, as underrated Prem players. I'm sorry throughout the episode if you hear me taking a couple little breaks. It's just that um, I'm still recovering over illness, so my, my throat is a bit dry and all sorts. So that was just me taking water. Um but yeah, I think some of these players here are, are going to go on to have really, really good seasons. And I hope 
the, the, the reason why I make type of these episodes is because at the end of the season, I'll come back to it and I'll see how they've played and I'll do a little um, a re-talk over it. Just like the reason I made the Euro 2021 um, players to watch episode. Because then after Euro 2021, I'll go back to it. I'll see how they played. I'll see if my predictions were right about them. If they were completely wrong, completely off. Um, so yeah, that's why I make these type of episodes. So at the end of the Prem season, I can look at some of these players like Podence, Wijnaldum, uh, Gallagher. Players like that. And just see how they've played throughout the season. And if they're going to... It will kind of maybe link into a bit of transfer talk too. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um... Make sure to go follow the Twitter, which is after the nine, number nine and then TY. Um, I post all updates there. I post on there a lot more often now. Um, so make sure you go follow that. I'll be making an Instagram soon for this podcast to try and uh, increase my exposure. So if you give me a follow on there, it'll be the same as the Twitter probably. Um, but I'll make sure to plug it after. Um, but make sure you retweet the um, the podcast. Make sure you try and get as many listeners as possible. Um, but yeah, I hope you enjoyed again. Um, next episode's out on Friday uh, and I'll see you guys later. Cheers.